0: Stacking nodes on soybeans. That's what we're talking about. And you may know a lot more about this than me, but I'm telling you what, I'm completely confused. I don't know what a node is. I don't know how to stack them. But that's what we're going to cover in this episode of Extreme Ag's Cutting the Curve.
1: Welcome to Extreme Ag's Cutting the Curve podcast, where you get a guaranteed return on investment of your time as we cut your learning curve with the information you can apply to your farming operation immediately. Extreme Ag. We've already made the mistakes, so you don't have to. Managing your farm's water resources is a critical component to a successful and sustainable farming operation. Advanced Drainage Systems helps farmers just like you increase their yields up to 30% with their technologically advanced water management products. Visit ADSPipe.com to see how they can keep your business flowing. Now, here's your host, Damian Mason.
0: Hey there. Extreme Ash Cutting the Curve Mm, coming at you with Temple Roads and Matt Miles. And you know what? We're talking now about stacking nodes on soybeans. How do you do it? Why do you do it? Why do you have to do it? Obviously for bigger yields and more profit. That's why we do it. I have Temple Roads and Matt Miles, two of my favorite people to ever talk to. And they're going to tell us how they go about stacking nodes, the different practices they each do on their farms to get high yield soybeans. Temple, what the hell's a node and how do I stack them?
2: Let's go all the way back to the beginning, because there's no sense in us talking about stacking nodes or me explaining what a node is. And I'm going to let Matt explain all that. But um, let's go back to the beginning. If you're not going to set the plan up. So let's let's take, for instance, if um, a friend of mine is a 45-bushel guy and my other friend is Matt Miles and he's a 100-bushel guy, the setup is very, very different. Um, and the 45-bushel guy friend of mine, he's not going to want to stack nodes or try to accomplish this. The 100-bushel guy like Matt is going to try to accomplish everything that he needs to start. So in order to even start this process, you have to you have to treat it differently because a 45 bushel plant is very, very different than a hundred bushel plant. So you can't go out there with the fertility and the um the program of mm-hmm. 45 bushel beans and expect to stack nodes and add a lot of yield because it will absolutely positively never happen. Do you agree with that Matt?
3: yeah i do now first of all i'm not a hundred bushel guy i'm more of an 80 bushel guy so let's get that clear now but yeah hey, so- let's
2: just let's just talk about where i've seen your yields at let's just let's just call that be it okay but just go ahead
3: yeah no i i totally agree you know when we're looking at you know and we talk about high yield a lot but high yields are different beast depending on where you're at so if you've got 35 bushel ground 55 bushel is a high yield Yeah, right. 70 bushel ground 90 bushels is a high yield so you've got to decide where you're at and 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 it's not all about 100 bushel beans it's about where you're at on the ground you are and what you can produce
0: yeah and you've said that before in our recordings that you know let's not get hung up on the number really it's about the scale over what would be typical Uh, The scale over what would be your standard or average or county average. And, you know, we all love that farm people like to judge the neighbors and and all that kind of stuff. But there is some reality there. So, yeah, whether it's 80 or 70 or 100 or 60, whatever that number is, it's really just talking about going above county average in this regard. And so uh, Temple's point is, if you're going to be at the county average, which maybe it is in some places, 45 bushel, let's say. And you're saying now I want to be uh, I want to be, you know, 70 percent more than that whatever that is, 50% more than that. It's not just about throwing up 50% more fertilizer. We've talked about that a lot, Kemp Temple, on this very podcast. You know, in the old days, it was just, you know, throw more NPK, throw more fertilizer, throw more fertilizer. It's not about that. It's about all this cool stuff we're doing now. Plant growth regulators, stress reduction strategies, wow. uh, population changes, which I think is the most interesting part of what one of the things I've learned since I joined you guys. A population study that found that, you uh, you know, one third or one half of a rate actually ends up having a, a the same amount of yield, do you know, that Kelly did there a couple years ago. Yeah. So all right, I want to do better than average. I wanna up my soybean game. What's the first step, Temple?
2: So one, if you like for, for me, for instance, I do I have an infer plan. And I have a two-by-two two plan that I put on my fertility, and I put a bunch of stuff in furrow, and that's how I start the, start the process. So I know I'm going after good yields. I know what prior yields, what prior years, what I've lacked in. So I try to get ahead of that. So I'm doing all that by getting in my in-furrow and getting in my tuba by 2 So now I've set my stage, right? So I'm setting that stage for what I'm going to do. So then my next process is, is I put all this fertility in there. Now I need to learn how to slow them down. And when you stack nodes, that's what you're trying to do. You're trying to, you're trying to slow that plant down because the plant naturally wants to grab a hold of energy from phosphorus, nitrogen. Um, it's going to grab a hold of it and it's going to elongate. And when we're we're talking about stacking nudes, we're trying to make them not elongate. So, that's all we're doing. So, when we talk about stacking each one of those nodes, that's where a branch is going to come out, and that's where it's going to lay, lay a little cluster on there, a cluster of beans, right? So, that's where all those little nodes that go up that plant is. And we're talking about main stem nodes. We're not talking about nodes that are down the branches and all that. We're just talking about each individual one of those nodes where it stacks a cluster of beans.
0: Man, you and know, he did. He short- did. He Matt, he didn't really answer when I asked him, but he got around to it. I mean, this is kind of like a conversation with sort of attention deficit guy, and I'm that person. Yeah. so is he? And so are you. I'm here, that Matt. guy too. And so he got around to it. A node is the is the area on the main stem that branches come off of. When we're talking about stacking them, we want to do that to create a bushier, fuller plant. Is that my
2: understanding?
3: That's correct. That's
2: part of it. That's so
3: right. count, count a node is a fruiting branch. Okay. So when we say V3 beans, you know, or, or, or R1 beans, there's X amount of nodes on there. So on those nodes, it, you know, and, and I, <clears throat> we do this a lot in cotton. So we, we, cotton is very more receptive to uh, applications that will stack the nodes. Beans are something that, you know, i say this all the time, you know, corn's like a, dog you can teach it you can train a dog and beans are like a cat so we're still learning try to train a cat to sit and stay and heal you know so we're we're having to kind of learn this as we go but Temple's exactly right now I'm totally opposite of him so he's using infero and tuba tube you know my fertility program is done in the fall when I put out a lot of poultry litter so I've got real fertile ground and when you're when you have and he and I have the same problem when you have real fertile ground the bean tends to want to elongate, as he says, and and the nodes will be, you know, maybe this far apart. So if, you, if you're if you looking at 18 to 21 nodes, you know, and, and you've got a, and you don't do anything about this, then your plant's going to be like here. So what's that plant, what does a really tall person do? A lot of them tump over, you know, they can't stand up or whatever. If you get too tall, and that's what the beans do. So there's ways that you can, you know, different ways that you can do to try to shorten that stature. I had my agronomist come out and look this past week at my beans. He said, man, he said, the nodes you have as short as your bean, bean is, your bean plant is, you've really got something going on here. So there's several different ways to achieve that, you know, and, and we both do it absolutely different in ways. But if you're going to grow a, a high yield bean in a high fertility environment, you have to I guess you would say protect the height of the bean.
0: Okay. So that's one of the things I remember, and Kelly, we discussed this. It might have been his derecho year where he spoke about he had beans that were five feet tall uh you know he's like these things were you know pushing the size of a a guy and then obviously the wind just took him down he still ended up having amazing yields he's like imagine if i've actually gotten kept those beans standing which is i think if i remember correctly in that discussion way back when was then his thing about plant growth regulators plant growth regulators and i think that's where we're going to go here so if you want to stack your nodes to have maximum amount of branching and bush your plant that yields you higher stuff Temple, they get you over county average. It gets you 20%, 30% more soybeans. You've got to have them stacked. You have them dense and you can't have that plant get too big because then you're going to have the issue like Kelly did where it blows over.
2: Yeah, that's right. But Matt, tell them where we start at. Tell them exactly where you get most of your stacking from right out of the gate.
3: Yeah, right out of the gate, I get most of my stacking from early planting. So the earlier you can push that planting, the, the more the plant wants to be short. If you plant, you know, so you take a, I can plant a, I can plant a bean March the 15th, 16th, and I can plant a bean June behind a wheat. And it's, it, there's two, three foot difference in the plants, but it's, it's all due to the heat and the day length and how we make that plant shorten up the earlier we plant it. Whether you're looking at March 15th for me or a guy in, in, in Maryland or, or where you're at, Damon, that is, you know maybe april 15th or yeah right
0: so it's interesting it's almost counterintuitive you you'd think you're gonna have a bigger plant if it goes out earlier but you're saying that because of the temperature it's ambient as well as soil temperature i'm guessing it it it's just it's interesting because when it starts growing it it already is setting it already is setting itself up for being a shorter plant even at the time it sprouts and you're talking about a month from now when it actually starts to matter, when the plant doesn't get too big.
2: Yeah. So it happens,
0: happens early one now.
2: thing that I'll tell you is, is like when you look at a plant's life cycle and you pull that plant apart and you shed all the leaves, all the branches off, you start to look at those nodes. You can almost follow each one of those nodes back. So what Matt's talking about is this. Each one of them nodes that it's setting, when you put it in really early like that, he is doing environmental stacking of nodes because every time he goes through a stress period it'll stack a node and it'll shorten them up now if you get a two-week window or a week window where it got really warm and he got perfect rainfall you can watch the next node will be elongated and that's where you get into problems so one of the things that we do to compensate that or to try to you know rectify that is we're doing what matt is talking about you know we'll come in with some type of um we've shortened the nodes by putting chemistry on we have shortened the nodes by putting fertility on um all of these things keep in mind i'm telling you about them and this happens in the vegetative stages you know there are certain things that you can and can't do and matt and i have learned this the really hard way um we've destroyed our beans before by you know trying to stack nodes using chemistry um matt and i both have done that
1: we have
2: messed up a lot um but we're we're getting better about doing the right things because we're starting to understand that cat as matt said
0: um you said the, the ways you go about stacking nodes and shortening the, in the plant okay first off time of planting And it doesn't matter, yes, if you're in the the delta of Arkansas, it's a different time than it is in in, in the Midwest. It's it's
2: more or less, it's just early for your own environment. Yeah, early for
0: your own environment. And so you're talking about a week, two weeks? Does that make a difference? Yep. That makes a big difference. Okay, so two weeks makes a big difference. And then the next way about going about stacking those and keeping a plant that's shorter uh, is using chemistry?
2: We've used chemistry. Matt, what chemistry have you used? Let those regulators
0: like- is another way,
3: right?
2: Yeah. Well we'll get to that in a minute.
3: We're we talking about herbicide chemistry? Yes. So we we've tried the uh you know, the big thing with uh a guy, you know, there was a guy making hundred bushel beans before we ever even knew how to make eighty bushel beans. And he was using products like Cobra and he was burning them. They were people bush hogging so they'd get a bean V four and then mow it off. You know, different ways trying to figure that out, you know, with with chemistry, even mechanical, you know, Mm -hmm. go through there with a roller and roll them down, you know, try to, I don't know. And I know Temple's seen this, when you run over a bean like on a turn row, you know, that bean would just get crazy big, but, but it's back to natural selection and natural what the bean's going to do. You know, we've tried all those different things. Now I've had good luck with my normal chemistry. I've tried the chemistry to, burn them back. And I mean, literally thought I was gonna kill them and I didn't get anything from that. But like when we spray a herbicide out there and I'm gonna use Flexstar Dual, you know, at, at say V5, you know, right before R1. When you get to R1, you don't wanna put anything on there from a chemistry standpoint because it knocked the blooms off. Yeah. You know, some of these other products will too. But, you know, we, I always tried to spray my beans with back before we're using dicamba beans now, <clears throat> with something that would kind of a little bit, I guess, hurt them because you'd spray the beans, and for three or four days, you would have, you know, they'd be brown—not 100% brown, but have it. You could tell it would hurt them. And what I decided then was, listen to Temple a lot. I'm losing photosynthesis when I'm doing that. Yeah. You know, and I think with Cobra or whatever it's it you know we're we may be trying to stack nodes with that but we're also losing you know leaf surface to get photosynthesis so there's some things out there now we're doing differently between pgrs and you know different fertility that will keep the photosynthesis going but actually stack the node at the same time
0: Pimble, i gotta tell you i i think it was like 15 12 years ago let's say i'm at the kentucky soybean association for a speaking engagement and one of these high-yield guys that's uh you know, uh, like we are now uh, showing up an event to talk about some of their strategies. And that's the first time I ever heard this thing about go out and abuse your soybeans to get bigger yields. And I thought this seems, this seems again, counterintuitive. We do so much to to keep our plants healthy. We do so much to keep our plants thriving. And then, you know, Matt's talking about going out and whacking them with something that burns them back a little bit because then it actually ends up giving you a bigger yield or, you know, driving over them for God's sakes or whatever when when did this become a thing, and why does it work?
2: Um, so it became a thing of probably, you know, fifteen years ago for us. When, you know, we started playing with this. You know, like like Matt said, we we messed with Cobra for a while, but the problem with a lot of the herbicides, or we'll just call it chemistries, um, it affected a lot of different varieties very differently. You know, we it may affect one variety, and it, you have huge bonuses to it and then the next one you have a negative yield so it was so all over the place that you couldn't follow it so I started to go away from it quite a few years ago and I started going into more of a um, a fertility burn you know and I, I kind of I wanted to stun them with fertility I didn't want to do it mechanical I didn't want to do it with herbicides because it was too hard to rely on but I didn't want to lose anything. So I figured I could get the best of both worlds. I could get a little fertility out of it. I could stun them a little bit. And then we started rolling into this thing that Matt's talking about, you know, that we came up with, you know, we want to stun them. We want to burn them back. but We don't want to brown them up where we're stopping photosynthesis because what would we pay or what would we do for, you know, three more days of four more days of sunlight exposure on our solar panels you know solar panel doesn't work very good if you take a hammer and you hit it and you crack it but if you um if you stun these plants you can keep them from getting from elongating you can make them bushier you can make them branch and for every action there is a reaction and the reaction that a plant has Uh, like a soybean, is it's gonna branch out because it's only like that cycle that it just wants to do. It just wants to grow, it wants to reproduce, and it wants to die. And we're trying to keep it growing prior to getting into reproductive, stack as many nodes as we can because we know we're gonna build clusters on each one of those nodes and we want branching. So we do all of that all along. So it's kind of a program, you know, Matt and I come up with a lot of this together. Um, it's a program that we're doing, and we add a lot of these humics and folvics in there, along with, uh, you know, I, I guess a lack of better terms, a, a sulfur burn. Um, and that's what we're using to stun these plants. But we want to stun them, stop them, but we don't want to burn up our solar panel, you know, mm-hmm. crack it with a hammer mm-hmm. um, so we can keep them going and then immediately after that happens, you know, either with that or immediately after that, we'll throw in a micro pack to try to get them back going again, revitalize them, you know, um, jumpstart them again with a PGR. And we can do that a couple different times and we can stack nodes and we can artificially, you know, Matt is doing it and has been doing this for years environmentally. And now we're in implementing, environment plus um you know artificial you know hurting the plant stimulating the plant whatever you want to call it and now we're using all of those things together and we're just learning more and more and more on what we can and can't do um then we take it from here and then Matt um talked about that a minute ago you know, you have to stop all this at some point. You know, when you start to see blooms, that's where I, I want to go to.
0: I want to go to two things. I want to go: how do you stop it? And I also want to go: can you make up uh, for it? Before I do that, I want to ask our listeners a question about crop stress. If you're tired of dealing with weather-induced crop stress and i know you have it you had it in the spring maybe it got cold maybe it was all it was artificially hot maybe all of a sudden your your soils were wet and cold the point is are you having weather-induced crop stress you probably are because you're in farming you have that it's time for you to turn to terramar an innovative biostimulant technology from loveland products designed to help your corn and soybean crops thrive even under stressful conditions terramar it's a cool product I think it's the one that uses, like, algae or some kind of seaweed technology. Pretty amazing stuff. Go on their website uh, and check it out. You can find it at Loveland Products. This product is called Terramar. It's all about weather-induced crop stress reduction. It's a company called Loveland Products, and the product's called Terramar. Exclusively available from your nutrient ag solutions dealer. All right. If I don't get early, I don't get out there and get my stuff planted, is it too late for me to stack nodes, Matt Miles? Can I make up up for it with these other things like we're talking about here with some fertility uh, burning it or using some herbicide or something like that?
3: It's kind of like a Band-Aid. I mean, you know, I've become a habitual liar, okay? So I used to never lie my whole life, and I've become a habitual liar. And who I'm lying to is my plants because we're using products now to trick that plant to say, you've got to put on nodes, you've got to put on fruit because this is happening, you know, we're talking about PGR. So, and there's, there's a different levels of PGR. So you've got natural occurring PGRs that you can put out, you know, like the kelp is a natural, natural thing. And you get that plant to decide that it has to make those, it has to do that stuff internally. Yep. And then you also have synthetic PGRs and temples a PGR king. And it tells the plant, I mean, it puts the, the, stuff in there it needs to do that so you know it, later it, i would just say this and I, i'd rather maybe temple answer this better than i can the later you plant the further you get behind the curve the the more trouble you have to try to stack the nose
0: okay one more i appreciate yeah. that so so it's 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 very difficult to do if you're planting normal or late season versus early season you're irrigated Is there any difference between whether it's dry land or irrigated in terms of uh, the node stacking practices you do? I mean, other than obviously managing the water or when your crops, when you can get in there and spray something or whatever, aside from that, is there any other differences? That'd be a temple question. Is there any differences?
2: Um, so yeah, Matt's hundred percent irrigated. So his is very different. You know, I've had multiple conversations with him about, Hey, how, how exactly can I manage this crop? You know, and keep in mind, um, a soybean likes to be stressed out. And the more that you can stress it out in the vegetative stages, not in the reproductive stages, but in the vegetative stages, the more that you can stress that plant out, the more that you can get it to branch out, the more that you can stack nodes. All of that is true. Um, the problem comes in is you know, when you're messing with the environment, you know, if it's, if it's a really, really dry year, you know, um, I could potentially grow a better irrigated crop because I can control it all. You know, on dry land, I cannot control when mother nature drops an inch of rain and that plant wants to elongate. So you can take steps to go in there to try to set it back, but now, how many times do we want to ride through the field? You know, it gets down to the point of uh, Matt is the master of ROI. I am not um, that guy at all. Um, and he'll tell you that. I spend way too much time in the field with sprayers. And he'll tell you that, too. Um, but this is how I've learned how to grow beans. Um the way that I've learned how to grow them is to keep the sprayer in the field, and every time that I get something that happens with Mother Nature, I can react to that. Um, so, so it's a it's a juggling act, but it's it's a juggling act for each individual. You know, it, one guy has one program, one guy has another program. M- mine and match programs are very very different, but we still, in the end, our end game is still accomplishes the same goal. We just don't see it exactly the same.
0: Uh, The other part of it is, so we're talking about ways to do stack nodes, plant growth regulator, uh, fertility. The fertility, just so I understand it, it's not denying it fertility. It's using fertilizer to actually burn your plant is kind of what I heard you say, right? Yeah,
2: Yeah, that's right. So we'll go over the top of it with um, kind of a sulfur product. And, then Are you we'll, do it, and you're um,
0: doing this when with another pass? Are you doing this when you're like hitting it with fungicide or something like
2: that? I'll do it at a pass where I'll be putting on like fungicide, maybe something else. I try to match better at that. Uh, I, I'll make a separate pass matt likes to combine stuff and he does a lot better job at this than what i do matt, how many um, times do I, you? Do, i have a little bit more time matt how many
0: times if do you, don't you want do something how many times besides the early planting how many times do you do something with the specific goal of stacking nodes is it during two of your passes
3: well to be honest with you i've just started doing this after meeting temple you know as far as using yeah yeah to do this. so yeah. last year we did a little bit this year we're doing a little bit we're still in the testing stage on on doing what he's doing to see if it will compare to just our normal standard practice i guess is what i should say matt, so, is, it, is is it, it, is, is, it
0: a, is it safe is it safe to say matt that your life will never be the same now that you've met temple roads because i actually can say that i can say that my life will never be the same now that i've met temple roads
3: yeah i've made some few changes since i met temple <laughs>
0: <laughs> i'm just saying i'm just saying my i mean uh yeah some a few changes a few not changes. better just different not <laughs> better not i right. not promise you all right so anyway i interrupt you to be to be funny but uh all kidding aside you do a few things and you're like i said you're just you're new at this game you're going to do a few things through the year early planning is the first thing you're gonna do a few things through the year that with the intention of stacking soybean notes
3: yeah well see our normal program was early planning and then our herbicide, our actual our lay by herbicide before bloom was 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 burning our beans. So that was our thing. And we've been fairly successful with that. But watching yeah. and seeing what Temple does, and Temple kicks my butt on on in our plots and stuff, he kicks it all the time.
2: So he's lying. I barely skirted by him twice. That's it. No, he barely. beat me
3: 10, 15 bushels an acre on on our plots. So if you're going to listen to somebody, you're going to listen to somebody that that makes less than you or more than you. So that's where I started listening to what Temple's doing. You know, what's the program you're doing? He goes a lot further along than what I've done. Not to say that I'm right or he's right, you know, to be honest well, with you.
0: Well, remember uh, what we said in Alabama. We said peer pressure is only bad if your peers are bad. And so, uh, you know, Matt's using you as a, as a peer. By the way, speaking about how he always – Act, brags up other people and acts like somehow he's Matt miles set the wheat wager competition. He beat everybody else in the wheat wager. And if you've been to the, it's 108 degrees. And uh, I mean like mold grows on you overnight in your bed. Uh, the fact that he did set the record down there is pretty impressive. I think.
3: Hold on. I don't, I don't, get, I don't get any credit. I don't get any credit. I don't get to be a Senate twin. You know, I don't get to do any of that stuff. So and and I get made fun of for my, for being hot. And I call it little Vietnam. So I'm out of that. I'm not talking about heat anymore.
0: I'm out of the heat game. What? And, and, and by out. the way, you get you you're making this up. You know what he just said a little while ago? He's turned into a compulsive liar. Now he's lying about this. He gets credit for me. I like run around. I run around basically talking Matt Miles talk all the time. I I I I I I. I, I How many like,
2: times have you said he's your favorite guy? Every time I talk to you,
0: I can't in say front of
2: me that you say that
0: I can't say it anymore on the stage because I got in trouble for that. But anyway, let's go back to the other thing here um, about what we're talking about. Then the passes you're using a few different times during the year to, in addition to while you're putting on fungicide, while you're doing other stuff. But one of the little things you're doing in addition to that is I'm going to set more notes. I'm going to set more nodes. I'm going to keep my notes tighter by doing this thing.
3: Who are you talking to?
0: Matt Temple.
2: Um, Temple's so,
0: a little bit hurt, Matt, because he's already brought it let's, up that you're
2: my favorite. That's a lot. Look at so let's let's go. Just drop back for just a second. You know, Matt brought brought up the fact that you know him and I have had some friendly banter the past couple of years growing beans against each other. And Matt put in a plot um, at my farm last year, and I did exa- his exact program because we're trying to compare each other's program on our dirt to see who can who out out you know outperforms each other so last year i did one of matt's program exact i did my program exact and i beat him by a couple of bushels but the last two years me and matt and i have compared to roi and he can grow more beans on less dollars than what i can um and we've and we've done that two years in a row so I'm not saying that my way is a better way at all um, by a long shot. It's somewhere between what Matt and I are doing together. That's why we work so closely together.
0: Yeah. Is it reasonable that the things you're doing give you, is there 20% more soybeans because of having uh, more tightly packed nodes on, your, on a bushier, shorter plant? Is it 20%? What's reasonable? What's, why should I do all this work? is it a bushel or is it 10?
2: It can be, it can be a lot because keep in mind the shorter the nodes, the shorter the stature of the plant, the less lodging you're going to have as well. You know, when you have lodged soybeans that you can't get off the ground um, and then you have a big rain and then you have uh, beans that are down, beans that are wet, beans that got moldy and beans that got into a a problem of getting turned away. Matt, you had some problems with that last year. Talk about that for a minute.
3: Yeah. So we have extreme issues with damage because I shouldn't say this because of our heat. I said I wasn't going to say it anymore. So if we're if we're we're right at our beans ripening, getting ready to go, and we get we get a bunch of rain, you know, we're still looking at eighty to ninety degree temperatures. Our beans are damaged. I mean, you've seen the pictures of them before. And our and we're <clears throat> you know our situation is aggravated if they lodge because we're on about an 8 inch bed, so if a bee falls over, think about the fact that I, I have 8 inches below ground surface that I can't even there's no even no question I can't cut that, yeah. so it aggravates our situation versus the guy that's on you know flat ground flat ground right yeah so I mean even if you're a now a 45 to Fifty-five bushel bean, and Temple may correct me on this. And it, and, and another thing, we ain't even talked about varieties. So well, wait a minute, I thought we were done. But all right, let's get to varieties. But before I'm we do that, sorry. you
0: said Temple, what's Temple gonna correct you on before we get to varieties?
3: Uh, I don't remember now. What was it?
0: You, you said Temple's it. gonna correct me on this. Well, all right, then let's get to the varieties. Well, I about right. it, so so I stand okay. corrected. We gotta right.
3: talk about varieties. Well, no, what I was gonna say, I I, I know now. 45, 55 bushel bean is probably not going to lodge in most no. cases, no matter what variety you yeah. plant. Right. But if you're in high fertility, you better watch what varieties you plant because there's some really good high yielding varieties that you can plant, but if they lodge, you're going to lose 20 bushel naked. You know, yep. so you have to really watch and have on-farm testing on your farm if you're in high fertility what beans you plant to make sure you plant a shorter stature beans. So we're not just stacking nodes. We're we're planning for the next year based on what right. we
0: think next year. Timble, Timble, do me a favor. The guy that's tuning in right now in Manitoba and all he grows is uh, barley and wheat is saying, "What are they talking about lodging? What 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 are we talking about?"
2: We're talking about when the bean plant um, matures. And then when it lodges, it'll actually lay down and lay on the ground, and we can't get that cutter bar to get underneath of it to pull it back up. So why do you call it lodging rather than laying down? What I do don't know? know. It's just a ter- it's a term. I didn't make the term up. They just they was called a lodging. Okay, varieties.
0: He said one thing we haven't gotten to you is varieties. I thought we were all done with our stuff, but Matt, you know, I've hey, got one bring, more. He's bringing me more stuff, you, What's the stuff on varieties that I need to know? Because you know what. Soybeans are soybeans, right? What what difference does a variety make? Some varieties are bred to to have tighter nodes. Is that the thing?
2: Well, some varieties are just bred. Some of them, um, if you're not careful, they become very vegetative. By saying they're very vegetative, they will elongate terrible. You know. And if they get really tall and they lay a bunch of bean pods at the, at the you know, a bunch of fruits at the top, the yeah. plant and it can lay over. Now there's something that we haven't talked about here. We talked about early planning, you know, environmental changes, stack nodes. We've talked about how we can artificially stack nodes, you know, in the vegetative stages. Yeah. And what we really need to talk about is during the reproductive stages how we stack nodes or we add a few things that we can add clusters, more clusters to the top of the plant. Matt, um, Can you talk about that for a minute?
3: Yeah, so you know when we get to R three in that area, we start putting out products that we think can make more clusters that increase bean size, seed size, which will increase yield. I've watched Temple do some stuff in the last couple of years. Him and Kevin Matthews were I quit. I quit at R three, mm-hmm. so I'm doing R three. I quit. I haven't rounded all the bases. I'm probably on third. But I've watched some of the stuff that Temple and some other guys have done where they're going to the R5 stage, which is almost – you're looking at your beans at R5 saying, there's no way I'm going to spend any more money. They're still spending money that's bringing in a positive ROI at that point.
0: I got it. So what are we talking about uh, at R3 that you're putting out there, Temple?
2: So a lot of times what will happen is, is like – I go out there and of course i overdo everything you know um and matt makes fun of me every time i do it um but when we go out there with a pgr um with a micro pack um and a fungicide and an insecticide matt when we go out there with that with that with that cluster of products you know when we we create a reaction in that plant. It gives the plant energy. You've put sugars out there. You put PGRs out there. You got these micros. And then all of a sudden, boom, a whole new blossom set comes with a whole nother cluster. That's still adding and stacking nodes into the reproductive, um, in the reproductive period. So like... Matt has a huge ROI by doing it at R3. Isn't it R3, Matt? Yeah. R3. Right yep. Um I'll do it at R1, R3, R4ish 5ish. I might do it 3 times like my high yield plots. I might put that thing on 3 maybe 4 times and every time I do it, boom, we stimulate a response boom you stimulate another put the same product
0: on four times and it's all in the reproductive phase we can I have
2: and this is a I've done PCR, it more than that and
0: this is a plant growth regulator
2: we're talking about it's a again you know i'm I'm gonna go back to what you know these guys talk about all the time it's a systematic approach you know it's not just a pgr it's not just a fungicide because i'm protecting the plant it's not just an insecticide it's a micro insecticide fungicide pgr sugars to drive more energy and it's a certain type of you know it's just not any one type of micro pack either it's micros that i know that that plant needs at that period and it's all derived upon on prior years of history of tissue samples where I know it's getting ready to make this curve. And when it gets ready to make that curve, I'm going to stimulate it before it ever makes that curve.
3: I'm going to say, Damon, if we're, if you're talking about a regular guy just on this podcast listing that wants to try something, I'm thinking around the R1. I I really think R3, you know, tempo starts R1 to R3, R5. You know, I was the R3 guy. Today, I've sprayed my beans at R1 with some of the same products he's using. I'm definitely going to try the R5 because if you ever decide you know everything, Mm -hmm. you're really screwed up, you know. So, But a a guy that's just starting out, I would say R2.5 to 3, that's where he needs to spend a little bit of money on a field and see if there's any difference.
0: Got it. Yeah. Now that's the other question. We just talk about the money, you know, where, where it's neat to have big yields, but if you spend, you're going over your fields a lot. There's going to be, somebody says, you know what? I'll just stick with County average. I'm going to plant them and I'm going to spray them. And I might spray them again. And that's it. it you know, uh, are you spending a lot of money on all these uh, treatments you're doing
2: temple?
3: Can I answer that for oh. you? Yeah. A $100 an acre at $13 beans. It's 7.69 bushels. Yep. You know how easy it is to pick up 10 bushels? Okay. Seed crop yep. So you're talking about county average of 50, and Temple and I are making 80-plus beans, so you take 30 bushels yep. at $13, and if you use $100 an acre only you're only at eight books you still
0: you still you you made 400 and it cost you 100 and some time and and some time because you had to go out you had to go across that field a couple more times
2: but there's a couple things that don't cost any money you know take take for instance what matt's got us all talked into doing you know i mean like he's one of the pioneers of planting super early you know that doesn't cost us a nickel No, you're gonna go and
0: plant anyhow, unless somehow you plant and then it, and they frost off. I mean, that's a reality where where I live.
3: Yeah, but I can, mean, it... go to your frost date. So when we're talking about early, go to your last frost date, and you and a bean will take a couple of mild frosts. It won't take what yep I had this year, but go to your frost date and then back up from there when you plant the beans. So if your frost date take 15 days before your last frost date average. Three. So, and it's not always going to – I mean, you, you'll you get anomaly weather yeah. where it might screw you up every now and then. So don't do your whole farm. But, I mean, you think about this. The ROI in a bean at
0: $13, Yeah,
3: it's a lot easier to use these products than if you're talking about $6 corn or you're yeah. talking about $0.70 cent cotton or you're yeah. talking about $7 wheat. You know, the, the bean is the best place to spend those, those dollars because you can get them back so easy.
0: I got it. All right, now we've covered it all. Temple, is there anything else we gotta get out here? Uh, Matt, Matt did a great summary right there. I got I got plant them early. I got put this as a part of every one of your treatments as a systematic approach, which I like that as a as a grower standard practice. you're talking about doing things to stack nodes with plant growth regulars, with sugars with uh, a little bit of something that knocks them back and you know abuse them just a little bit. You're talking about making sure fertility, but also fertility it stings them just a little bit. You're talking about make sure you get the variety. You do not want a variety that is bred to grow tall. Um, did I miss anything.
2: I, I think another really good key point would be this: um, there's tons and tons of university trials out there that show that there's zero results in a lot of micronutrients, and that is the furthest thing from the truth that I can tell you. Um, The secret to using micronutrients is knowing what your soil at any given time and your plant needs in your program, and you do that by your data collection of your tissue samples from your years prior because our systems or or programs don't necessarily change our fertility programs, I should say. You have to learn them first. And when you can find out what our key problems are, you can promote a lot of yield in between. And those things give huge ROI done right. Got it.
3: Is that it? Last time, I was ready, last time I was ready to
0: wrap up, Matt Miles said, no, there's one more thing. Go ahead, Matt.
3: One more thing. The most important thing I've heard here and I've learned from Temple, <laughs> the tissue sample is not about what you're doing right now. Yeah, You need to take the tissue samples you used last year. He's figured out at what growth stage his soybean plants need what. So he don't have to, he's, he's taking tissue samples this year just to verify what he done last year. But yep. he's he and he and I, I had this conversation on manganese and magnesium this year on corn. He said, "Well, you knew that from last year's tissue samples. I'm like, "Yeah, I guess I did." So that's the most important takeaway if you take tissue samples.
0: And we talked about this at Chad Henderson's, you and me, and him just a couple of weeks ago, because when I was down there, Chad's point is he's pro tissue sampling, he's anti-tissue sampling. He says the worst thing is when you think you're going to make big, huge swings and adjustments right now on a tissue sample. First off, it was pulled two weeks ago. The plant's at a different point by the time you get the results. His, his thing is, as you just said, it's really more of a long-term tool. It's yeah. more of a looking at what we've just uh, and Temple will address that. He said, We know that we've always lacked this. So because of tissue sampling, we do this. His name's Temple Rhodes, Eastern Shore Maryland. I'm gonna be at his place August 22nd for the field day that we're doing there. Very excited to be in Ark and Maryland at his place for the first time. Uh Matt Miles, who it bugs the hell out of Temple, is my favorite. And Man Fact it told does. me Man Fact told me uh in Alabama. Even though that I'm his favorite and he's my favorite, he said, if I keep misbehaving, he can't keep taking up for me. So I got to tell you what, I just out right there. I mean, I I just kind of like when I used to get in trouble on the school bus and then my like, mom would threaten to send me to Catholic school. I would straighten out for at least four or five days and then start getting in trouble again. Anyway, uh, I would like to apologize to anybody that's Vietnamese because Uh, You did notice that Matt called the Delta part of Arkansas where it's like it's punishingly hot, humid. And he compared that to your country. And I got to tell you, I think that the Delta part of Arkansas is worse than Vietnam, but that's just my thought. I haven't actually been to Vietnam, just been to McGee, Arkansas. Anyway, till next time, that's Temple Roads. That's Matt Miles. My name is Damian Mason. Thanks for being here at Cutting the Curve. You know what? we got awesome field days coming up. We've got, great webinars if you are not a paying member become a paying member for 750 bucks you'll get great access to private information and the webinars and also share this with somebody who can benefit from it we got 200 and some of these things on the cutting the curve uh, episodes on uh, extremeag.farm Till next time thanks for being here
1: that's a wrap for this episode of cutting the curve but there's plenty more Check out extremeag.farm where you can find past episodes, instructional videos, and articles to help you squeeze more profit out of your farm. Cutting the Curve is brought to you by Advanced Drainage Systems, the leader in agriculture water management solutions.